Well, again, it's, it's great to be back, and thank you for the, uh, the invitation. It's always a, a highlight to be here in January at the beginning of a new year, and this year it's the beginning of a new decade. Um, so it's a thrill to be here. And I was thinking, what, what verse of Scripture would be a good way to kick off uh, this new season? And I came to this uh, passage of Scripture in the book of Ecclesiastes. And, uh, you know, these words were written probably about 2,500 years ago. Wow. 2,500 years ago, and I think they're still relevant today, and uh, so let's, let's read them together. Seize life. Now, for those of you that were going on a no-carb, gluten-free uh, New Year's resolution, um, you've got the A-OK to eat, keep eating bread. Uh, drink wine with a robust heart. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on colors and scarves. Now, Siobhan, stand up. I think this is what Solomon had in mind. When, uh, relish life with the spouse you love. Each and every day of your precious life. Each day is God's gift. And it's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. So make the most of each one, and whatever turns up, grab it and do it, and do it heartily. For this is your only chance at it, for there is neither work to do nor thoughts to think in the company of the dead. And that's where each of us is surely headed. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for these words these reminders that life is brief, that each day is a gift, that our pleasure is your pleasure. So we pray today as we ponder these words that you would help us to become people who, who savor each day, who live more intentionally. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Jeff had uh, said earlier that you're still celebrating Christmas, and in some Christian traditions, you actually celebrate Christmas for 12 days after Christmas, and then you have Epiphany Sunday, which is also known as the Feast of the Wise Men. Um, and uh, I heard, and that was actually last Sunday, I don't know whether you guys celebrated it here, but I heard a good one about the Feast of the Wise Men. Um, this person said, you know, if it wasn't wise men but wise women how would the story be different? And uh, according to this person, if it was wise women, they would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have sanitized the stable. And they would have brought appropriate gifts. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's uh, Epiphany Sunday. Uh, uh. On December 18th, I had an opportunity to uh, participate in a memorial service uh, of a 93-year-old man, and uh, it was a special time for me, and uh, oddly enough, this man who died or passed away at the age of 93, he had still gone into work every day up until 10 days before his passing. Incredible life. Um, he had taken a little family car dealership that started in Pensacola, New Jersey, a Ford dealership, 
and he had built it into a billion-dollar organization that now has affiliates all around the world. I think at last count, he's got or had seven or 8,000 employees in his company. His name was Joe Holman, and many of you know Holman Enterprises. Joe passed away just a month ago or a little less than a month ago. I remember my first meeting with Joe Holman. I was pretty excited. It was 12 years ago, and I was in my office in East Camden. It was about a mile from his office in Pensacon. So I left about an hour early because you never know if there's going to be a rush hour in Merchantville. <laughs> and uh, I got there early, and uh, I remember talking to the receptionist, and at one point she said, um, you know, sometimes it takes Mr. Holman about 30 or 40 minutes to get from the front door to his desk. And I said, oh, that's terrible. I mean, old age, it kind of catches up to you. And she said, no, 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 no. He just stops and talks to everybody. You know, how did your son do with his baseball game? Did your daughter get into the college? How's your mother-in-law after that surgery? Despite the growth of the organization, he never lost touch with people. You know, you learn a lot about a person from the remarks of their kids or their grandkids. One of the ways he used to teach or tease his, uh, his grandkids when their hair would grow a little bit long, he would go up to them and say, I'm, I'm so sorry to see that your barber passed away. <laughs> Reminding me a little of a joke about a kid who comes to his dad who's got long hair and says, Dad, can I borrow the car keys? And the father says, well, look, you got to pull up your grades, go read your Bible, and cut your hair. So two weeks later, he comes back. He says, Dad, you know, I studied the Bible. I pulled up my grades. And the father says, well, what about your hair? And he says, well, Jesus had long hair. Moses had long hair. Samson had long hair. And the father says, yeah, but they walked everywhere. <laughs> but when I listened to the family members talk about this man, it was interesting. Kindness was talked about, decency, honesty, humility. And I remember hearing those words about this very, very successful man, and I was reminded that you don't have to be a jerk to be successful. That this man had some kind of moral compass, there were some kinds of values that guided his life, and he intentionally lived that way, and it impacted everybody around him. You know, Jeff and I and Jamie, we, we lost another friend a few days before Christmas. I had a couple of other people that passed away before Christmas. All had lived long lives, good lives, but it reminds me that no matter how much money we have, no matter what ethnicity we are, no matter what gender, whatever, no matter what zip code we live in, we're all going to die, aren't we? And you know, for those of us who live in North America, the average life expectancy is about 80. For those living in some developing countries like Chad or Malawi or Afghanistan, the average age is somewhere in the late 40s. So many of us are actually living in extra innings. We really are. Some of you may remember the book uh, that was very popular in the 1990s by Stephen Covey called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Don't go buy the book. He made too much money off of it. I'll summarize the book and I'll give you the best sentence of the book today. But you, some of you may remember one of the chapters he describes this scene where the, the, you, know, you show up at a funeral 
and you show up outside the church and there's this long line that's leading into the church and Covey says, you know, you get in the line and you start inching up to the, the top or the, or, the front of the congreg- or the front of the church and, you know, there's an open casket and Covey says, you know, you, you get in front of the open casket and you look in and guess what? It's you. And then Covey says, then you sit down and people start getting up and speaking about you. You know, your, your pastor gets up, and your, your neighbor gets up, and one of your best friends gets up, and they start talking about you, your commitments, your values, where you invested your time, what kind of person you were. And you remember that great line Covey says, what, what would you want them to say? And based on what you would want them to say, Covey says this, that we need to begin our lives with the end in mind. That's the line. Begin our lives with the end in mind. So that's the challenge today is if we stood here a year from now or if some of us have the privilege of standing here a decade from now, what would we want our lives to look like? Are we living with intention? Reminds me a little of the story about the, the guys that went to a funeral and they're in the parking lot afterwards and they're talking and about what they would want said at their memorial service. And one guy says, you know, I was a teacher. I would love people to say that I inspired, you know, my students to learn great things. And the next guy said, you know, I would really like people to say that I was a great father, a great, a great husband, because I've always tried to be a family man. And the last guy says, I don't know about you guys, but I would like somebody to say, look, he's moving. <laughs> Okay, all right, you're not, I'm not quite with. Where were we? But Covey's whole point was um, to clarify our values, to clarify what our life mission is about. Because Covey knew And we all know that life has a way of slipping through our fingers if we don't live intentionally. This uh, this past week, I was reminded of that. I I sat down with one of my employees. He's worked with me for about 16 years, Mr. Cummings. And I remember uh, meeting Mr. C, as the kids affectionately call him. It was about 16 or 17 years ago. I was preaching in Pittman, New Jersey at a little Baptist church. I think there was about nine people there that, that, that morning. And um, I remember afterwards, this guy comes up to me and he says, you know, I really have a passion for the outdoors. I love to canoe and hike. Do you think kids in Camden would have any interest? And I said, well, I don't know, but, you know, we could give something a go. And so Mr. Cummings, he, was a, 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 he owned a carpet cleaning business in Pittman, New Jersey. So he started this outdoor club every Friday afternoon. And he did this for about a year. And kids would show up, and he would take them to the Pine Barrens, and they would hike, and they had a great time. And so one day, we're sitting down about a year later, and he comes into my office, and he says, you know, we need to really take this to the next level. And I said, you're right. And he said, what do you think I need to do? And I said, I think you need to sell your business and come work for Urban Promise. (laughs) He laughed at me. He went home that night, and he told his wife what I had told him. And she didn't laugh at him. She said, Jim, I think that's what you're supposed to do. And so at the age of 55, carpet cleaner from Pittman, New Jersey, sells his business, and he comes and starts Urban Promise Trekkers. 
And he starts a program that takes kids out into the outdoors. And about three years later, he comes back into my office and says, Bruce, I love the outdoor stuff, but I think we need to build boats. And I said, Jim, do you know anything about building boats? He said, no. I said, well, then you need to go find some people to build boats with you. And so he went and recruited a lawyer, an accountant, and a physical therapist. <laughs> and they started Urban Boatworks. I'll never forget the first day they launched their first three rowboats on Cooper River. KYW showed up. The local news showed up. They interviewed this one kid who was a senior in high school, Richard Gaines. They said, Richard, are you going to become a boat builder one day? He said, oh, no. But maybe one day I'll build boats with my kids. I'll never forget when the kids got in the boats. For the first 10 minutes, they wouldn't leave five feet from the dock. And then 20 minutes later, they're 20 feet from the dock. 30 minutes later, they're all the way down the Cooper River. It was transformative. And then from there, Mr. Cummings developed the River Guide program. And then other cities got excited about taking kids out. And so our ministry in Charlotte and our ministry in Honduras started programs. And over the last 15 years, hundreds of kids have been introduced to the wonders of nature. Why did that happen? Because at one point, a 55-year-old man sat down and he said, Do my intentions, do my values, do my dreams align with the way that I'm living my life? And he said no. And so he sold his business, took a leap of faith. And so last Tuesday night, a few weeks before his 70th birthday, Mr. C sat in my office with tears in his eyes and said, I can't believe it's gone so fast. But what I didn't realize, Bruce, was the impact that we were having on kids. Are you living your life with intention? We come to the scriptures today, and one of the things I think is wonderful about the Bible is that it speaks to us from outside our culture. It kind of cuts through the noise that tells us that we're immortal, that if we just buy the right stuff, we'll live forever. And the scripture comes along and says, no, I'm going to give you some wisdom that transcends the message that you get every day. I have a friend of mine, he reads a chapter of the book of Proverbs every day because he says, if I read Proverbs every day, it stops me from blowing up my life. <laughs> Jesus said what? He says, seek the kingdom of God first and all these things shall be added to you. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. He said, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. Scripture comes at us. It informs the way we're to live our lives. And so we come to these words of Solomon today. Words that were penned somewhere around 300 years before the birth of Christ. And here is a man that experienced everything. He had material things. He engaged in great building projects. He had multiple wives. I mean, he lived the life. And yet at the end, he says what? It's all vanity. God's not part of it. It's all in vain. So he says, acknowledge that today is a gift. Eat a little bread, drink a little wine, relish the spouse you love. God's pleasure is your pleasure. 
And if I distill this down, what I think Solomon is saying to us today is basically make every day matter. Make every day matter. I love when I meet people who kind of make every day matter. Uh, They're special. And I've got a donor who calls me about once every two years. She lives in Chambersburg, PA. Her name's Carla. She's one of these charismatic Christians. Now, I, you know, who, who Jesus tells her everything to do, like when to get up in the morning, when to go to bed, what to eat to lunch. Jesus doesn't speak to me quite that way. But she called me just in late August, and she said, Bruce, uh, Jesus is telling me to give myself a gift for my birthday. I said, oh, that's fantastic. What, what kind of gift is Jesus telling you to give you? And she said, well, I think he's telling me to give a gift to you to help your kids in Malawi. And I'm like, whoa, that's great. And I said, well, how big a gift is Jesus telling you to give? (laughs) And she said, well, he's telling me to give her a really big gift. And I'm like, I love Jesus. (laughs) And then she asked the question, uh, do you have any needs? I mean, is the Pope Catholic? Is Jeff Bills the best Methodist preacher in Voorhees? I mean, of course. So I said, look, Carla, I'll take the weekend. I'll put together a little proposal. I'll send it to you. You decide. I'll give you a smorgasbord of needs. And you guys, I just laid out some great needs. Scholarships for kids, feeding programs, science equipment. I send it off. I hear nothing. I call her Monday. Carla, did you get the proposal? Yeah. I'm like, what's up? She said, well, Jesus just isn't speaking to me about any of these things. I'm like, what? Maybe you need to check your cell service or something because uh, I thought there were some really good things there. So I said, well, look, we still got a few days before your, your birthday. Why don't we see if Jesus tells us anything? So the next day I'm meeting with a board member who just got back from Malawi. And he had given the commencement speech at this program that we run to teach kids sewing skills. And uh, he said, you know, I gave the talk at this graduation, and this girl named Dinah gave me this letter afterwards. And he shows me the letter, and in it, this young woman in Malawi talks about how she was in this extremely dark place, how she had lost the capacity to dream, but the fact that she had been involved in this sewing program had given her hope, and now she has her own sewing machine, and she has her own little business, and her life had turned around, and I thought, wow, that's it. And my board member said, and they want to build a new sewing center. So I sent Carla in Chambersburg a little email. I said, look, I don't know whether this will grab you. I don't know whether Jesus will use this, but here. Three minutes later, I get a phone call from Carla. Jesus is speaking to me. (laughs) I'm like, great. She goes on to say that she had battled with depression, that she had been in that dark place, that she had struggled with depression, And that her grandmother had taught her how to sew. And that she wanted to build the sewing center for us. That's a gift that matters. Because for the next decades, young people's lives will be transformed. Solomon reminds us today that life is short. The reality is, my friends, that 100 years from now, nobody will remember any of us. Sobering, isn't it? So seize life, eat bread with a little gusto, 
receive each day as a gift. Let's pray. Gracious God, we're reminded this morning that there are no dress rehearsals. We pray that as we enter into this new decade, this new year, that we might take inventory of how we're caring for this sacred gift you've given us. And God, my prayer is that each of us, a year from now, a decade from now, we'll be able to look back at our lives and have no regrets. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.